Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. Yes. I cannot even start the ship. What's happening? Remember whenever I asked for Falcon 4 in space? Oh, you're getting it. I've got it. It's here. Now now I need the manual and the the big keyboard layout thing. That's what I need next. Remember those keyboard things? You'd actually like lay it on your keyboard and it had like all... Oh, yeah. I love those so much. Because all the keyboards were the same back then. So you could make like the F-19, you know, uh, you can make the F-19, um, you know, keyboard layout thing. Overlay. The overlay, yeah. Microprose believed in all 104 keys. (laughs) Goddamn right they did. Yeah, because you got to put it in green, blue, and red. I think it was what? It was F-15 Strike Eagle 3 that had like... I think I almost broke my hand trying to, like, change radar modes in that one or something. Yes. And that's why, because we have Rogue System on tonight with Mike Giuliano. Oh, I'm sorry. I've just introduced the Well, we're getting there. But Uh, our co-host, Hunter. What up? What up? You know, I'm actually really excited about Rogue System. I think it's a phenomenal experience because one thing that I've always liked about um, I know I got my experience into like the space sim genre pretty late in the game, right? I came in with X-Wing Alliance. That was kind of like my introduction to it. So I came in way late, right? You came the in thing... with going out. Right, exactly. But the thing that I fell in love with X-Wing Alliance that always just was a phenomenal to me was the fact that not only was it a joystick game, but you actually had all these keys on the keyboard that you had to use as well in order to like be a good pilot, really. And um, I'm I'm really excited about this game. I think I think there's a lot of there's a lot of keyboard uh, stuff that's going to go on. There's a lot of mapping that's going to need to happen. As a matter of fact, I actually this is one of those games where I'm actually looking forward to um, like the the custom control panels and stuff like that, right? Because I see all these guys do that with Elite Dangerous. They have these custom control panels with their touchscreen tablets, and I'm thinking to myself, why? Like you don't need all of that for such a simple game. Likely dangerous. I get the, the the foot pedal thing. I get the head tracker thing. I get the joystick thing. But why, oh, why do you need all that stuff? This is the game that I want those extra custom panels for. Like, that's yeah. awesome. So, Mike, has anybody sent you pictures of, like, here's my, my spare room turned into a cockpit for Rogue System yet? Because it's coming. Uh, it's, it's actually, it already came. Uh, okay. I've gotten quite a few re- requests to uh, support um, custom cockpits. Uh, and uh, actually, uh, there is one guy, he already started putting, up, uh, putting together hardware that was actually designed to look like the, the, the controls for the, the prototype ship. Uh, it was very cool just to see, it, uh, see that people were already doing that. That is actually really cool. Okay, yeah, guys. Uh, yeah, I had a friend some years back that... Uh, she built a like a full size F sixteen cockpit in their spare room, and she like designed the ejector seat and did <laughs> you know was nuts. And then and then she got did, even did it, crazier. Did it work? She, <laughs> yes, yes. She okay. So she bought the instruments online, like the you know the altimeter and the you know all all the the things with needles that spin, and those were all hooked up USB. And she, when she bought them, they were disassembled. So you actually had to put the gears together and stuff in it. And it, she was like a Swiss watchmaker building this stuff. It was, it was a lot more time invested than I have patience. That's for sure. 
So, and it, but you were saying like the elite cockpits and stuff. I've seen some people do some crazy crap with those, you know, where the guy will have like four MFDs and, you know, and it's all like push button and and Android tablets. Like, don't get me wrong. That stuff's cool. I just think it's it's just not necessary. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But where something like this, because, okay, the, what I would liken this game to thus far is uh, DCS. Right, because you get an in-depth study simulation of a particular aircraft or spacecraft, if if you will, in this. And just like in DCS, you have to go through like the manual startup sequence, which that A10C, even on a good day, takes me ten minutes to fire that thing up. Um, and you know, sometimes I just want to play it and I just whack the easy key. But it's nice. It's it's just comforting to know that the level of fidelity of the simulation is such that if I look down there and I see a switch then that switch does what it does in the real aircraft. And, you know, I, I think at this point, like, come a Red Dawn sort of scenario, I could be Patrick Swayze and just get an A-10 and, and beat back the, the North <laughs> Koreans or whoever invades us, right? So I'm, I'm prepared. My body is ready. Uh, well, folks, if you couldn't figure it out already, um, we have a guest this week. <laughs> We're already in it. We're in deep. Guys. We're in it. Like we're already in it. I'm, I'm immersed. It is immersive. So we're doing a few things different this week. One, we're trying to use cameras to just a little show note. We're trying to use cameras to see each other so we don't interrupt each other as much. And second, I'm forgetting to record things. So the audio for this might be a little funky and I apologize. Whoops. Whoops. I forgot to hit the record button. But we have a guest this week. Please put your hands together for our very first guest. Back in episode three. Three, Jim. Remember episode three? I do. Th- those Halcyon days? Oh, that was, that was the one with, uh, <laughs> with like, you know, they killed the, uh, Dooku, right, in episode three? <laughs> Did they kill him in oh, three? Oh, sorry, not, not in Star Wars. I thought they killed him in... No, he got away in two, didn't he? He got away in two. Yeah, so we can see when Hunter actually walks away now. And, you know, That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Well, fr- friends, welcome... <laughs> Welcome back to the show, the developer of Rogue System, Michael Giuliano. Welcome back, sir. Thank you. And Thanks. Brian was kind of doing a little walk in there. What the heck? Yo, to you guys. sorry. I, I get a little little wow, you know. No, no. see, when you push it, it's not natural. When you just do it, then the filly rolls out and, and you're good. <laughs> so... Uh, we'll just so, cherish it when it happens and not call your attention to it. So Mike is the owner of uh, Digital Cross Interactive, who's been working. You've been working on this for years, and it right at least a few years now, and it uh, just hit Steam like a, a month ago, right? I'd say he's he's been working on that as long as we've been working on this. How's that? Longer. If you count all the time I've been thinking about it, designing and learning how to code and this and that, yes, it's it's been years. <laughs> And we had you on about about a year ago. You were on episode 101, you know, so this is your third time on. And uh, I had, you gave me a build then to play with, and uh, it was nowhere near as robust as this one is. That one felt way different than this new one. Uh, yeah, well, a lot of this past year we were in ISI, had their own early access program before we went to Steam. Uh, and uh, it, it wasn't uh, – it didn't – didn't sell a, a lot and you know it was off of steam so we weren't really expecting that but there were a lot of very interested people that did jump in and uh, 
I really made use of a lot of their feedback. I tried to re refine things and uh, they gave me feedback on uh, things that seem to feel weird with uh, system functionality and a lot of good ideas too. And I just been trying to incorporate all that as we move to steam early access um, and just take it, you know, a, a step up. Uh, we do have a question. I'm I think the answer is yes, but I just wanted to clarify. We got a question in Twitch. Will this be co-op? And I believe that is part of the plan later down the line, right? Yes. One of the three expansions, uh, the three planned expansions will add multiplayer. Multiplayer is actually, um, the idea of multiplayer is already in, in the code. Uh, for example, uh, the game code doesn't care if a human or an AI is sitting at like the pilot station. All it, all it cares about is, you know, uh, who's ever sitting there just press this button so I have to react to it. So it would be very easy for a human player to jump in and take over an AI spot. So, yes, later on, uh, I would like to have, you know, people on multiple ships, but I definitely want to have multi-crew on a single ship. That That is the absolute must-have. That's really hot, I have to say. That is really hot because, I mean, are we just talking one pilot and one co-pilot or can like the three of us podcast co-host take over one ship together? Is that? It, it would, that would depend on how many stations. Uh, okay. Uh, ships have passenger space and they have crew space. So it just depends on how many crew stations there are as to how many people would operate the ship. But in, in theory, you know, if you have sleeping space for, let's say, 20 people, 20 people could occupy that ship. <laughs> That'd be amazing. That's, hey, that's pretty awesome. hey, friends, I need 20 people tonight to help me do this one mission. I mean, I know you said you have AI, but that'd be amazing. 20 people in one ship. Okay, guys, you push the, you, Bill, you push that button. Jim, you do this at five seconds. <laughs> that's going to be amazing. Could you, no, could you imagine, though, like, this is, this is more, uh, I than what I wanted from like some of these other like bridge simulator type games, right? Where you actually have a physical uh, ship that is embodied by physical uh, avatars instead of just being like, I have a station in front of me, but I don't know anything else about the ship. Where it's like, okay, well, our our engineer just died. We need somebody to go down to engineering and and like turn a wrench, you know. Exactly. That sounds that sounds absolutely incredible. I got to so say what, what I need to know is when Mike is going to work on the Mech Warrior game where I get the <laughs> and a giant robot because that's what hey. I need next. If I if I ever get Rogue System done, I, I would actually like to work on a Mech game. <gasps> yes, I just made that sound. <gasps> because I think I think that level of detail with a, with a Mech would would again be awesome. You would be huge in Japan. Like <laughs> there actually is. I don't know if you noticed. There is. I think it's on Greenlight or something now. But there is a multi-crew mech game. Some Russian dude is making. It's like two-person co-op in the same mech. I saw oh, that's the other interesting because they had yeah. um, they had uh, one that was going to be almost like a Voltron where it needed five players and each player controlled like an arm, a leg, you know, the head. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that sounds awful. <laughs> like, yeah, how would it, you coordinate that? Speaking uh, of, it, it kickstarted, but I don't think it made it beyond. So, speaking yeah. of, your microphone sounds like echoey, like you're a robot yourself, sir. Excellent. I don't know why. Must be the Skypes. Yeah, folks, we're back on Skype because too many people are having too many issues with Mumble. 
which is kind of a shame. But what are you gonna do? Anyway, so uh, so yeah, how much work? How like what has actually changed between like Mike the last time we had you on and now? Like, what are some of the big things you have changed, either from your own ideas or from uh, player feedback? Um. I don't think any okay. There, there's been no major changes as far as the the overall design goal is concerned. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, I, I'm still I'm still happy with where I want Rogue System to go. Uh, I think uh, the major changes just came again with with their feedback concerning okay, this uh, I just did this and I didn't really get the feedback I expected from the ship. You know that sort of thing. Uh, so so that's trying to incorporate more feedback for the players so they have a better understanding of what's going on has been a big focus. And a lot of it has to do with uh, how the controls display information to the player. You notice that now the labels change as, as the, uh, the system uh, functionality changes, uh, color coding on the buttons themselves, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, just trying to feed more information out there. Yeah, because um, from what I remember, the cockpit, I mean, all the functionality is still there, but the layout and the usability has significantly improved. Exactly. Uh, and that was, that was an old prototype cockpit, too, that you saw in the last one. This is, this is the first of the three final flyable ships that will be in the core module. Oh, okay, so, what, what, like, so this ship is kind of like, like a tall, B-wingy thing. You know, it, it's very vertical. What, like, yeah. what, what are the other two ships that will be in the core module? Um, okay, this is, uh, again... Uh, I know we're module. in early access. I know. Yeah. Things can change. Uh, Let's just say that right now. Things can change, folks. The core module is uh, campaign-based. Uh, and again, there are three squadrons. Each squadron flies a type of ship, and they all work together to complete mission goals. Uh, this ship right here is kind of like combat services. They, they'll do search and rescue, uh, ship recovery, that sort of thing. Uh, there will be a larger, heavier ship uh, that will carry, you know, larger weapons. Uh, I'll say like a strike, uh, strike craft. Um, you know, it, it would be like, a, it would be like your B-1B bomber. And then you will have a smaller ship to escort it. Oh, that's pretty cool. And um, so there's a campaign. Now, I've, help me remember, is this a military campaign where you get assigned a squad and so you'll be in a squad that flies one of those ships? Or will you be yeah, able to the, go back and forth? The, the basic gist is um, you are you are part of, part of the small colony. You are part of their just their local security force, um, their local police, if you will. And your system is invaded by... Uh, an opposing colony, and basically you're trying to mount a defense against this much larger, uh, more technically advanced force. Um, so, yes, uh, in a hurry, they're going to assemble these ragtag combat squadrons to try and, you know, again, mount a defense for this. Right, right. So you're going to be, you're going to be like the, the ragtag bunch, which I like. I like. Now, uh, the long-term goal is... Uh, Again, a more space exploration, trading, uh, you know, you can buy, sell, upgrade, own your own ships, etc., etc. Uh, but again, since right now it's me by myself, I have to keep the core module very focused so I have an actual chance of, you know, finishing all the work. 
So a, a campaign-based system with very fixed assets against an oppos- opposing force with very fixed assets, that's, that's, you know, a finite amount of work that I know I can achieve. If, oh. I, start, if I start building all this modular stuff and uh, all the cargo you'd have to haul and all the multiple holes that you would need for, uh, you know, a more of a free-form game, uh, there's no way I could do that by myself. So, in other words, you're not feature creeping yourself. Exactly. I'm trying to, you know, uh, there's the, the core module and the three expansions, and I'm trying to stay very focused on each one. Now, yeah, I kind of, I kind of slipped that in there. I don't know if you guys noticed that. But. And, and and now that we can actually see each other, I'm giving you a thumbs. Like I noticed you're about to do it, so I didn't interrupt you. Yeah, this is working. Uh, so remind me, what are there going to be? The there's going to be the core module, which is going to be the. Um, the campaign, the main campaign, but the, you have three uh, other modules, three expansions planned after that. Remind me what those are so the folks listening can know what they are as well. Uh, the first one uh, I'm calling the Maverick module, and that will be the introduction of the uh, the open-ended sandbox elite type of play, if you will. Uh, you can own multiple ships. Uh, you'll be able to hire a crew. Um, uh, you know, buy, sell, trade, whatever. It, you know, however it is you make money. Uh, and you'll be able to go from through multiple star systems to do this. Uh, the core module is focused to your local star system. Again, it's just to keep things focused on achievable, achievable goals. Uh, the second planned module uh, adds the multi-crew multiplayer. And then the third planned module, I would like to, uh, uh, I'm really going to focus on the first person aspect of it. Um, uh, and introduce first-person combat uh, into you'll be able to breach other ships and try and take them over and that sort of thing. Uh, and somewhere in there, I there is already an atmospheric model. It's very, very limited right now, but eventually I do want to support surface landings and such. So eventually, when all three modules are done, Star Citizen will just be coming out, and you might have a little competition, maybe. Well, it maybe. might be in beta at that point. <laughs> maybe in beta. <laughs> the word beta will lose all of its meaning when that happens. Well, I mean, unless I can hire people to help, which I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I do not want to do this by myself. Uh, I would much rather work with a team, uh, but a team costs money. So, I mean, if I can't hire team members, again, I know I can achieve everything if I take them in small chunks, but it's going to take a while. Uh, you know, just I'm not deluding myself that, you know, I'll be done, and I'll be done with everything in a couple of years. No, it's it, that won't happen. Well, and here's the thing. I mean, you've been very clear that you're the only one, pretty much, working on this. You've been very clear about setting people's expectations because I've noticed I've I've I've, gl- I've glanced at the Steam forums and whatnot. And whereas I'm sure you've seen some Steam forums can be just piles of crap, piles of burning dumpsters. You know, your Steam forums seem, for the most part, pretty positive. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the the niche, um, you know, the, the small niche that you know this kind of kind of thing brings in. It's it's sci-fi, but it's hard. You know, it's hardcore flight systems. It's it's this very small, defined little group, and I think the people that come into it are very serious about it, uh, and they really enjoy it. Um, and, and I think that translates over to the community and how they interact. Uh, what would you say is the biggest thing you've learned from them so far? 
uh, <laughs> from the community? Um, yeah. That, that's a good question. Uh, I get so many comments and ideas and suggestions. Um, I, I won't say I learned it from them, but one thing I have learned about the community is to be as open-minded and as open as possible. Yeah, I'm sure that helped. That also helps set expectations. I mean, um, absolutely. Um, if you hit a setback, you know, tell somebody, you know, let them know, Hey, I, I did my best. I'm, uh, you know, I hit the snag. I'm going to work through it. That's the best I can do. It, it's got to be like one thing I've noticed about early access, and this is probably the, the the razor's edge that you walk on, is setting the expectation of the user while at the same time saying, hey, we still have a lot of work to do. This isn't done. You know, I mean, how difficult is, has it been to walk that line? It's not difficult. I don't think it is because I just I choose not to overhype. I choose to tell the truth. It's early access. This is where I want to go. And this is where I am. Uh, and uh, I could push as hard as I want. And all that would end up doing is push out sloppy work. And no one wants that. I will work at, at a speed that I know I can accomplish goals um, as quickly as possible, as cleanly as possible, with as few bugs as possible. Uh, and I'll get there when I get there. Yeah, other developers should take note because it's so frustrating to see a lot of people either get burnt out on early access or early access just failing, you know? So it's, it's always, it seems like a good early access period is the exception rather than the norm anymore. It seems, it seems to be. Um, and I, I will admit honesty does not sell. Um, it's not I mean, sexy. It's not sexy uh, at all. I, I could overhype and I could promise this and I could promise that. And I would probably sell a whole lot more. Um, but I would have a lot more, um, people would be a whole lot more upset when they didn't get it. And I'm not about that. You know, like I said, it is what it is. And I'm just trying to do the best I can with what I got. So now that the game is on Steam, are you still selling it through the, um, the your publisher's website? Or is it entirely through Steam now? It's entirely through Steam. It, uh, I have very little control over it. But it seems at the moment that ISI is very Steam oriented. So that's where they're leaning. The only thing that you can do through their website now is let's say uh, there is the $10 early access package. That, right. you know, just let you check it out during the early access period. The only thing you can do now is upgrade to the core module for $20 uh, using that, that $10 package as a discount so you can get a Steam key. Okay, that seems reasonable. Because I'm otherwise, sure they're. Otherwise, everything's being sold through Steam, yeah. So ISI, I'm not real familiar with them, at, at least to call it that. Um, uh, so what image, else? I'm sorry, uh, Image Space Incorporated. Uh, they focused on racing. They they were an indie developer. They were with EA for a while. They've always focused on racing sims, but very okay. hard for racing sims. So it, like, uh, do they have any other titles that are on Steam right now? Without. Uh, R Factor and R Factor Two. Oh, okay. Those oh, they're R Factor. Oh, okay. You, you might have mentioned that last time, but I completely forgot because I look at R Factor. It goes on sale every now and again. I look at it, I'm like, no, 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 no. It's really good. Uh, it's it's not visually. It's not quite as sexy as some of the other titles, but the fidelity of the driving experience is, I think, much higher. 
Yeah, see, uh, that's the thing. I usually, for driving games, I lean more toward the arcade side of things, like the, co- the Codemasters typical yeah, the, side of thing. The dirt, the thing about, you know. The thing about those games, though, is that they are mod city. Like, that, those were just made for modders to go wild in. So that's kind of what goes on. Yeah, and that, that's one of R-Factor's big, big draws is, you know, um, it's accessibility to the mod community. And actually, I used to work with those guys. I was their lead uh, track artist for the longest time. Um, oh, so you already had a relationship with them. Yes. yes. Oh, that's awesome. So was, was that your nine to five that you left to come do this? It, it, it was. Um, it, it was actually pretty cool that they, you know, uh, gave me the, the opportunity to, to leave and to do this and still have that uh, relationship with them. Yeah, it but, shows that they're a quality bunch. Yeah, what, what I found really cool about it was the mod community for our factor. And, you know, people always, I, I just made this track and, oh, I just built this car. And, uh, you know, they're really jazzed about it. I, I really tried to incorporate that into the Design for Rogue system. Um, so, so, so you're saying that I'm going to be flying an X-Wing about a week after release. I, I, the modders will get this. And I obviously cannot condone... <laughs> of, you cannot confirm or deny that yeah i got it of, of license you know things for a rogue system but I, I am fully expecting it that's pretty awesome how hard is uh, i forget which uh engine are you using for a rogue system uh graphics engine i use uh Leadworks, which right. is an, op- an open gl engine uh and one of my one of the draws for that was obviously the price. I you know I I couldn't afford anything. Okay, I, I I could afford other engines, but if you you know do a commercial product, then they take you know uh, they they have their cut as well. So uh, you try to avoid that. But one of the big draws for Leadworks was it's it's very open, it's very liberal as far as what you can do in it. And it also has native Linux support. Uh, and eventually I do want to get Rogue Sist onto different platforms. Oh, that would be amazing. I'm sure the Mac and Linux uh, gaming community would love that. Yeah, but obviously I can't do more than one platform at a time. And the major platform happens to be Windows, so that's what I have to start with. Yeah, it's. I wonder if you could target console, like uh, specifically the PlayStation because they're doing the PlayStation VR, and if you had something like this, I, I don't know how you would um, how you would work the controls. Yeah, I guess, how uh, would you do that? The, well, with the VR thing, you just look at the button, right? Because the you got a crosshair, so you use your head to aim that, and then just click a button on the gamepad, and you'd be in the same place. But um, yeah, it's it's like the if the PlayStation VR survives for, through the first year, I, I would say that's going to be the platform to reckon with in the console space. Yeah, um, I actually have a Vive dead kit sitting right next to me, and I'm I'm dying to get the uh, time to work with it because the the wands seem pre- precise enough to uh, you know you could reach out and actually you know click on a switch or point at it and click at it, uh, and it seems precise enough to be able to do that. So I'm kind of looking forward to it. Uh, we get closer to Ready Player One every day, it seems. <laughs> So, wait, you are planning on VR support for this thing at some point? I mean, it makes perfect sense. It already has head tracking in there and everything, so that just yes, makes uh, perfect I, sense. I, I plan on it. I certainly I certainly want to support it. Um, uh, the, the trick is just to get in there, check it out, and see if it's actually feasible, 
if there's enough resolutions in in uh you know in in the the headsets to where you can make things out uh otherwise uh do I want to take time to create you know a specific user interface so you can see switches that you know normally you could read on a PC monitor there's a lot of things to consider with it Sorry, we're actually getting some spam in the YouTube chat room. Guys, we've made it. We're getting spam. Oh, that's it, yeah. man. We're famous. Yeah. Th- that's our first spam. So should should we give them a code? Like, they won. It's like, here. Perhaps S- not. Speaking of that, just real quick, uh, Mike was nice enough to give me some codes for this. So when this goes live as an actual podcast in a day or two... Uh, there will also be a contest to go along with it, so stay tuned for that, because you can win a copy of this bad boy, and then you could you could suffer through the tutorials like I have going, where, what, oh my god, what do I push, ah, I don't mean suffer, I'm kidding, but I've only done two tutorials, Mike, and they're crazy, and I love them, and they're crazy, and I love them, and I love them. I, yeah, I like, the, I like the one guy's, um, his speed run of the startup of the ship. It was like seven and a half minutes and he was clicking like mad. <laughs> That's you know, a speed run. Up. That's crazy. Yeah. So there, there's no point here where you have to, um, like in the a 10, whenever you start the navigation system, you actually have to sit there for a few minutes and let the, let the gyroscope stabilize and stuff. So you're, you're not going to that level, right? Where you just make the player sit and twiddle their thumbs for a while. Uh, the only thing you have to really sit and wait for are the, uh, at the moment, uh, is the fuel cells. Uh, they take a while to, to warm up before we can use them, and the uh, low-energy nuclear reactor, uh, its core has to heat up before we can use it. Um, but there's other things to do while that's going on, so there's not much actual waiting involved. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it's, it's the uh, the inertial navigation system that's sure. doing it in the A-10, because yeah. you know, all that stuff has to spin. So. So I have a question since um, Jim mentioned the A-10. Did you model this? I don't think I asked this last time. Did you model this after a specific aircraft, or did you model it based on what you thought you would see in a futuristic spacecraft? Um, That one came from uh, one of the 2D or the 2D artists over at uh, Image Space. Uh, I just asked him one day, hey, if you have a free minute, um, sketch out a couple ship, you know, shapes for me. And uh, this is what it's intended for. And uh, he sent the one over and I was like, yeah, that make that one makes sense. So that's what I work with. And we just kind of expanded on that idea. Yeah, because, I mean, I was I've been playing with switches and stuff and it all makes perfect sense. You know yeah. how you would how you would expect a ship with like a nuclear engine and you know, fuel cells that aren't infinite, like dilithium, whatever, you know, it, it all seems to make very logical sense. Yeah. And I'm, I'm highly advantaged now because I got my X 56 last week and, uh, I have all these toggle switches and I can oh, do things with them. Uh, I just got, uh, I just, my Thrustmaster Warthog just came in and what, what a piece of kit that is. Yeah, we're in we're in the same boat. It's like yeah. your hats are a little different, but I think like the the toggles and stuff are pretty similar. Uh, yeah, I, just, more, I love having that on the throttle where I didn't have to drill holes in the throttle and do it myself. Well, one of the reasons I I got the the warthog was um, so I could properly support toggle switches because I don't right now. Um, but I need to get something here that I can work with, so that should be coming soon. 
Okay, because uh, this thing, I don't know how that, that one does it, but this one just treats it as uh, as joystick button presses because they're all momentaries. So there there's not one where you flip it and it stays in a position. So yeah, it's just... I think that I think the warthog actually has its toggles actually stay in an on state, so I, I have to account for that. Oh yeah. Okay, we got a question from um, uh, someone in YouTube, Flying Tex. What about space travel? Is obviously all space travel. Is it super long and basically just staring at the screen? I think he's asking. Do you mean is there any like time acceleration or any kind of micro in system warp type thing? No, it's it's actually real time. <laughs> so, like you start going to Mars and then, no. Okay, uh, yeah. uh, it, it is proper orbital mechanics. Um, it's an n-body system up to three bodies. Uh, it, it's all velocity-based, um, gravity-based, as you would expect. Um, so yes, uh, it does. It can take in real time a long time to get from point A to point B. There is. A five times time acceleration uh, just to speed up orbits, you know, just when you're waiting for something to happen. And there's also the idea of suspended animation when you have a one or two day trip to make, you can quote unquote sleep that time away. And so you enter suspended animation by, you know, pressing the button right now. And then you wake up about 10 seconds later and you're there. Now, um, can that can I'm sorry, I'm sorry go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. no can that be interrupted like if you're in a suspended animation can that be interrupted by like a proximity alarm or something like that and you're woken up suddenly that is the intent but it doesn't it doesn't do that right now right now it's oh. on state um it, it, it's a very preliminary version of it uh but you know if you go from in just one star system it can take two days to reach one planet from from another uh so, and you actually could sit there and fly in real time. It would absolutely work, but I don't think anyone wants to sit there for two days. So, yes, you can do that. So, <laughs> I, I have a, a question about the drives and stuff. So, um, with, without getting into Newtons and, and whatnot, how many Gs would, uh, would you say you're putting out of this thing? Because, like, one G being, you know, 9.8 meters per second squared, right? So, yeah. I, did the, I did the math with uh, some people on a different game and figured out like, okay, if you, if you could actually sustain one G of acceleration, you know, without running out of fuel uh, in, in a couple of days. So it would be like a three day trip to Mars. Yes, actually, because you know, it's like halfway there, you're accelerating halfway there, you decelerate. Um, and it's actually a lot faster than what you'd think because we were, we were talking about just, well, instead of artificial gravity, you just make the floor the back wall, and that way the only time you're not experiencing 1G of gravity is whenever you have to invert the ship to do a deceleration. Right. Um, so so I, I, I know that you, you probably know exactly how much Newton's a thrust this ship's knocking out because I'm looking at, like, all the other stuff that's over on that right-hand panel, and, and it's just like I know you did some math. Um, so it, can you do more than 1G sustained, or what, what are you doing? The, the um the main engines um they're they're vasimer based uh engines uh they can sustain um each one does like point four g's and you have two of them so you can top i actually i think you both engines combine you top out at one point zero two g's okay so yeah you're right on the money then yes so now, yeah 
the uh, excuse me, uh, the main engine system that is not Vassimer based. The 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 um, maneuvering thruster system is Vassimer based. The main engine system is based on um, a resonant cam- uh, cavity, uh, an M drive. Okay, is that is that like the the atomic light bulb thing that I, I read about on uh, what was that atomicrockets.com? That uh-huh. is what they called it. It's basically like it's a non-emission engine. You're not ejecting matter out the back. Yes. It's, it's yeah. Yes. Um, it's it's a I, I'm not. It's a it's a propellantless engine uh, simply because it doesn't eat fuel, but it does need power, and to generate power you need fuel. So it, it actually kind of is a, a, an end, a propellant based engine. It, it's weird, but yeah. Yeah, so you, basically you're you're like dropping uranium pellets in it and and burning them out and yeah. but it, but it's not like you're you're actually firing chemicals and right. Know. And it's based off NASA and some other groups have been working with their M drive and have been getting positive results and can't really understand why. Um, so I just kind of took that work and extrapolated it and okay, what what if we did figure out why this does work and is it more than just you know a, a a magnetic base glitch because we're not testing in a, you know, in a vacuum, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so that's where the idea came from. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you know, a thing that uh, I haven't seen anybody do in a game, well, there there was two games, but they were back like early 90s that, that ever touched this. But that all that like tinfoil hat UFO research that's gone on in, into um, like how a flying saucer's propulsion might work as far as like... Uh, magnetic field manipulation and you know gravity distortion things like that i'm surprised nobody has actually made a space sim of some sort that has a, an actual flying disc in it that that type of uh propulsion shape well yeah well i mean but if you think about it um no not that kind of shape but if any of the typical space shooters they're they're kind of they're, they're kind of manipulating that idea because, you know, they, they have an artificial gravity and they can do these amazing maneuvers that would, that would crush up, you know, the people inside normally. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Did you see that thing that uh, NASA was talking about as far as warp drive, where they, the ship that they were talking about kind of looked like um, the thing from Interstellar a little bit? So it was, yeah. it was basically like a space shuttle, and then it had a toroidal ring around the front and the back. And they said, okay, if we generate this field, because the the problem they said that they had with it is they would need, like, the amount of energy of, like, the planet Jupiter to be able to make a field that would actually do warp. And then they realized, like, wait, that's because our toroids were too big. So if we make them just a hair bigger than the ship, then we cut that down exponentially. So they were like, someday we might be able to invent a power source that could do it. Yeah, I, I, I was I was reading about it, and that's that's kind of <clears throat> that's kind of what the system to system drive is going to be based on when that's introduced later. Oh, okay, see the the thing that's wild about that though is you end up with some ships that don't look a darn thing like you know the conventional jet fighter in space kind of ship design, right? And so you're you're yeah, and it, so you're going to have a very, uh, like, utility will dictate what the ship's going to look like. It's not necessarily going to be, like, a sleek, sexy sports car thing. And that so, is precisely so. the way it should be. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it, we had uh, Ken Burnside on a few months back, and his ships, because uh, he, he did a board game that's 
uh, like vector-based Newtonian physics kind of stuff simulated in a board game. Pretty complicated. Um, it Starfleet battles it ain't. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's for sure. Um, so it's a, it's a learning commitment to figure out how to play this 3D thing on a 2D board. Um, but his ships in there, they basically look like a spiked mace on a stick because the the radiator is like the most important thing because they're trying to get rid of all that heat and there's no air medium that can convey it away. So that the, basically they've got like this thing that looks like a giant spike ball on the tail that's trying to dissipate all that engine heat so it doesn't bake the crew. So it's it's they're very much utility based, not not sexy designs. But anyway, yeah. so the ship that you've got in the in the game here, like Brian was saying, it's kind of a B wing sort of affair, right? So the cockpit's in the center, and then you have like an arm that goes vertically out the top and the bottom, and then the engines are on the ends of that, right? Is that what's the what's the reasoning behind that design and why you chose to go that way? Uh, again, it's it's a uh a utility or a service vehicle and that aft docking port is is there's no crew access it's strictly for towing so you can imagine that you might be towing you know a, another ship back to base or or you know you might be towing cargo from from one station to another uh so you certainly want those uh, that those ion drives to be above and below whatever it is you're towing um, you know, that superheated plasma, you don't want to be blowing that right out onto, you know, a, a ship that you're towing or whatever. So, so that was the main reason for separating those engines so much. Yeah, and it also gets it away from the crew because that right. people are a little bit susceptible to those high radiation things. So, well, what what did you, how did you end up with like the over-under? Because I, a lot of people would have went like almost like wings, right, out the left and the right. So it's kind of novel that it's over under. Uh, yeah, that was that was more aesthetic than it was anything else. Uh, again, I, I wanted, you know, if you're towing something, I wanted a lot of pitch authority, um, and you could have made it yaw authority. It's you know, it's, it's, you know, one way or another. Um, but I, I just kind of liked the the vertical look for that one, so that's what I went with. Oh, okay. It's also quite eye catching. Thank you. Yeah, it's definitely nobody else has a ship that looks like that, so that's pretty cool. The the only as far as the towing part of it goes, you know, since since you bring that up and, and separating that, what it makes me think of is um, in Independence War Two, the ship that you get there is a tug, and it's and it's kind of like um like uh, just a big fat ugly utility ship, and then you start bolting cool guns on it and, and stuff. But when it starts out, it's just a cheap tugboat, right? You just got me thinking of those fighter turrets in Independence War 2 that are like my favorite thing. And I wish more games had those. Remember what I'm talking yeah, about? You, uh, yeah, you undock the turrets off the ship. Ah, uh, yeah. They have little, they're, they're tiny little wingmen. Oh, yeah. that's so great. And so you, it, you could remote control them too, I think. Yeah, no, you can totally give them orders. You can totally yeah. give them orders. It's so great. Uh, so we have a question for you, Mike, from Twitch. Uh, this is from Bribe Guntails. Okay. Um, it seems that the MES renders the MTS boosters redundant since both require LENR uh, online. Will there be ships with, that, with or without MTS boosters and suffer for a lack of them? Um, well, uh, the main <laughs> is, uh, I'm going I'm to get an aspirin. I'll be right back. How uh, do you think I feel? I had to read the thing. The, the main engines aren't tied into the... Uh, 
the 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 RCS thrusters. Uh, so uh, if you just had you know the main engines, you wouldn't have a um, attitude control. Uh, the MTS is tied into RCS. Uh, but let's say that weren't the case. Yes, you could have a ship with just MTS, MTS, or you could have a ship with just MES, uh, as long as you had some way to, you know, again, control attitude. Uh, the reason for including them both is MTS has a lot more power, uh, which you may need for short, shorter transfers or escaping, uh, you know, uh, a a planet with strong gravity or, you know, I can think of a lot of situations where, you know, that more powerful thrust would be needed, but it is propellant based. So there's not enough to get you, um, you know, from one planet to another, uh, and without doing a a typical, you know, transfer maneuver. So that's the reason for including them both. You have the planet to planet drive, which is, you know, the MES system. And then you have the local maneuvering, um, which is the MTS. So there's a use for them both. That's an excellent question. So what would you say is the most complicated system to model on one of these ships? Um, I would, I would guess the internal wiring because you had to build all this, all these components have to talk to each other in there. They do. Uh, I think that was the most complicated. If taken taken independently, I don't think any one is any harder or, or not than the other. Um, getting them all to work together uh, together in a coordinated way, um, not only you know electrically but logically, uh, that was the trick. Yeah, because it's. I looked at some of the wiring diagram stuff that people have done in the steam guides, and it's the it's the interdependency of the systems and why you have to activate certain systems in a particular order to be able to bring other things online. And uh, I, get, I would guess, like, if you, uh, if you jump backwards in the chain and, and you cut something off, then it just basically is going to shut down everything that's past it, right, because right. they're dependent. So if I did that, do I have to then turn everything off and then bring that dependent system back online? and then reinitialize the things in order like I'm doing a boot procedure? Or can I just turn the the thing off that I turned back, or turn on the thing I turned off that's at the beginning of the chain and everything after it pops back? Uh, right right now, it would be more of a pop back uh, because there's no, there's no consequence for having those, for not shutting those systems off before power hits them again. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's it's like they don't have to reinitialize from right. zero. Uh, they they would uh, they would obviously re every time the system turns on it goes through an initial Jesus Christ that word. Um, but uh, yeah, there's there's no consequence for power hitting it with it, with it being in one state or another. Um, but that's not always going to be the case. The damage ties are there for that. They just haven't been hooked up yet. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, because I could see. Um... If if you like had a system get disrupted, like let's say you're in you're in combat, or uh, with a with something this complicated, I, I would think just system failures could get simulated, which which would be a uh, an interesting mission in itself, right? It's just like oh, just go out and fly around like it's Microsoft Flight Simulator, and oh well, hey, this system just went offline, so figure out how to fix it. 
kind of thing. And I, I could see a lot of that for pilot training of just like just operational errors that happen. And, um, uh, actually, very soon, um, I need to model the equipment bay for for the Flying Fox that ship that's in there right now. Uh, and once I model the equipment bay, uh, I can you know work up some quick uh, component part models. And once I do that. Um, you know, I'll give you access to the equipment bay and then we'll start playing with, uh, in-flight repairs. And once that happens, then yes, I would like to build a couple single, uh, single mission, um, you know, uh, it's based on, uh, you know, whether it be, let's say mission A is, uh, one of your MT- MTS, uh, you know, drives goes out, you need to repair it in flight so you can get back home. Mm. Um, and that will that will introduce the idea of in-flight repairs and and how you'll work on your ship. But the, right. the, again, the, the first thing is to get that art up and running so I can do that. Okay, because yeah, like um, you would flip over one of the MFDs into uh, DST, which is Diagnostic Self Test, and and actually like kick the system again and watch. You know, so so you would have like status of the components as they boot up, and it and it would show you like okay, this one's still faulted or whatever. And a lot of times, just with the Apache, right, if, if something went weird, um, it, it's kind of like, you know, thump it with your fist, you know, like Fonzie, and it's like, did it come back on? No. All right, turn it on and off a couple of times. Did it come on? Yeah. All right, we're good. And, um, you know, so it's 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 the old adage, like, have you tried turning it off and back on again? So, and, and of course, then when they Hello, got back, IT. have to replace it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we had, it was the same thing on the B1, you know, we, we'd have red ball, you know, pilots would be out there and this or that doesn't work. And the first thing you go out there and do is probably kick the part and just to see if you can, you know, something didn't toggle. So you just give it a good kick and see if it came on and then you'd start replacing components. But yeah, that always kind of freaked them out the first time you did that. Well, we got two questions from the, um, the chat room. The first, what? My Skype got hung up real bad. Sorry. Oh no, you sound fine. Uh, good. Yay. Uh, so, uh, Curious Epic wants to know what kind of gameplay options are there for physically repairing the ship. Uh, what I have planned right now is we're going to start simply with simple component replacements. Um, you know that that would be like the the system computer for the LENR. Um, something is faulted with it. Uh, the quick fix would be just to swap components. Um, there'll be breaker resets, uh, like for example, the uh, uh, the main buses, uh, all the electrical buses. They don't have breaker resets uh, at the cockpit. You have to go down in the equipment bay for that. Um, and there will be uh, wire harness replacements. Uh, and once those are in, then we can explore more nitty gritty stuff. Um, you know, like troubleshooting, wiring, that sort of thing. I was so, going to say, you should totally make it like, do I cut the red wire or the green wire? Yeah. We're going to start large scale and then and go down. Uh, and we'll get to a point to where, uh, you know, it might be too tedious to be fun. Uh, and, you know, it, it it's still a game. Uh, you still want to have fun with it. Uh, so it's it's going to depend on how involved we want to take that. But there's, for example, uh, I used to sit on the B1 with a multimeter and troubleshoot wiring for three hours at a time until I found, you know, whatever was wrong. And then we, you know, had to open up the wire harnesses and replace wiring. Uh, do you do, you do one- that in flight? 
Uh, no, no, obviously. What? Uh, but wait, you worked on the B1? Yeah, for eight years. Holy crap. No wonder you have such an affinity for this sort of thing, because that's, yeah. a, that's a complicated machine, isn't it? But the, uh, but the it, B1, it, you don't EVA and, like, crawled out the back and get your toolbox and then crawl back in while you're flying, so... But, uh, yeah, so it's just going to depend on how detailed we want to get with it. That's why I don't want to start with, you know, large scale and, you know, the, the things that, oh, I got to get back there real quick and, and change out this part or, you know, uh, reset that breaker and then see if I can get, you know, get going again. And then we'll go from there. Oh, that'll be like, that'll make the multi-crew stuff even great. Hunter, give me the hydro spammer. <laughs> you know, it'll be like the, the Millennium Falcon, you know. <laughs> that, that's kind of what... Um, that, that that's really kind of what I have in my mind when I think about the repair stuff is, you know, uh, Han Solo in the asteroid field, you know, and yes! him and yes! Chewie work on the ship. Yes. The that wasn't a laser blast. Something hit us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's, that, that's, uh, again, that's what I have in, have in my head. You know, you're in combat uh, and how combat plays out. I, I actually expect combat to play out more like submarine warfare than I would expect like dog. That's exciting. That's what, kind of what we want. We've been talking about that on this show for um, since so, we had a show. Yeah, so the pace of combat should be such that in-flight repair is possible, um, and uh, so, so you can survive. Yeah, it's not just going to be like a health bar that refills. You might have to actually go back. I don't believe in health bars. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, or hull ratings or shield levels. Uh, no. Yeah, so so this thing is just armor, right? It's not going to be any kind of magic shields that are on it. Um, there's, I, 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 this is what I say about shields. When someone can explain to me a, how a shield system would work, where you could dissipate all the waste heat and would actually um, abide by physics, then I'll include it. I'm not against it but there's got to be a proper mechanic to implement it. Uh... So, so the weaponry that you're going to use in here, is it, uh, is it primarily like ballistics or are you going to have pew pew laser stuff? Uh, there it's, it's mainly ballistics. Um, I expect a lot of guided, guided systems. Um, I could even see launching, uh, drone based weapons. Um, there will be lasers, yes. How about how about mines? Mining an area? I, I don't know. Because you would need a lot of mines. Yeah. It would, it would yeah. almost be like you park a missile out there and wait. And when the missile sees something, it turns its engine on and flies 100 miles to hit that, it. Cause... That, would, that would make more sense than just having a, a bunch of mines parked in orbit. Or yeah, if someone well, if, it's, if it's orbit, you don't even need mines. You just like throw a handful of ball bearings out the window, and they'll they'll come back around. And <laughs> um, now, if you, sorry, if you if you get like one of the orbital layers just full of junk, it's like well, you you saw gravity, right? With uh, um, yeah, what's her name? Yeah, so that's all you need is just a just toss some junk in orbit, and and that's your minefield. Like don't don't dare go through that belt. Um, but yeah, um, and that, that's what we're talking about right now is, is, and I even kind of say this with the, the steam, uh, description of rogue system, 
is one of the goals to is, is to explore um, combat in a realistic environment in space, not the you know World War II style of space shooter that we you know have right now. Right. Um, what what makes that very appealing to me is because you and I can speculate about well it would probably play out like this or you know that this would be practical that wouldn't. But when you actually build the simulation and then you try the weapons systems and then you realize like, hey, this works really good and, oh, that thing that I thought would work doesn't because, you know, the other ship can just get out of the way of it or whatever, then you're, you're kind of in a, in a uh, simulation where it's going to refine itself through playtesting. That is exactly right. Uh, it's, this is going to be very much a learning experience with community feedback, what works, what doesn't work, um, what feels good, what doesn't what makes sense, what doesn't, um, you know, we're, we're going to kind of learn as we go. Right. It sounds like you've already learned quite a bit as you go. Do you like, do you have any books that you would recommend one can read to get more uh, educated on this sort of thing? Um, yeah, there, well, there's, I, I don't have time for a whole lot of reading. Um, on the ISI rogue system forums, uh, there's a thread, uh, about, you know, uh, with book titles uh, that, that cover, you know, realistic space combat. Uh, and there's one website, oh God, I always forget the freaking name of it. Um, Project Row, I think. Um, but yeah, they, they cover what realistic space combat might be like. Yeah, and there's Atomic Rockets that does that. And uh, that's, actually, that's actually the same thing as oh, okay. Project Row, yeah. And okay. yeah, so so many of my arguments have been shot to shit by people sending me a link to that site. I'm like, <laughs> oh well, it would. No, it doesn't. It, especially the detection argument, right? Where where I'm like, well, you could hide, and no, you can't. It's like if if you if you so much as as light an engine, everybody in the solar system knows where you are, and the only thing you can do is just have you know have a uh, an object between you and and the the observer right and and optics it turns out um optics because speed of light is uh the fastest detection thing because it comes to you it's not like you have to send a signal out and then have it bounce back sonar style so uh it's basically like the ship would probably just have telescopes on it scanning around to try to spot you know, like emissions off in the distance, and then you'd know. But then you have to guess, well, how far away was that? And that's how much time, right? So you have, like, how many light seconds was it? <clears throat> it gets kind of nuts. Um, yeah, actually, um, the current LIDAR-based sensor system that's on your ship, um, the physics of the laser um, is modeled, which is why sometimes... It, you'll lose a return or you, you know, or you won't get a return from it. And it's, it's based on, uh, you know, uh, beam divergence and range and, um, and all that sort of thing. But, uh, even communications is based on speed of light. So mm -hmm. if a ship is closer to you or further away, uh, you know, if it's, you know, let's say it's at a moon and you're at the host planet, you won't get its communication immediately. Okay, cool. Yeah, that. Um, have you read uh, Jack Campbell's Lost Fleet series? Because we we had him on here. Okay, I, I have. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's so good. I've, I've heard, and I, you know, like I said, I, I wish I had more time to to read and 
shit, I make games and I don't even get to play that often. <laughs> yeah, well, so we had him on here um, because, well, it, like my wife doesn't really care about sci-fi stuff so much, um, but she ripped through those books, you know, just loved every minute of it and, and even kind of got into the battle stuff because he talks about, you know, it's like, well, we're trying to do formations and stuff, but we're doing formations at like 10% speed of light and the ships are like five minutes worth of communication time apart from each other. So how do you keep a cohesive formation and, and do combat with delays and speeds like that? And, right. and he kind of, he kind of tackles that a little bit, but there's a little hand wavium in there still. Um, but that's why in a, a simulation that would actually take that on, then, then you have to actually see it. You know, it's, it's like, you can't say, Oh yeah, they, they did a thing. It's like, no, not, now you have to tangibly, prove that that tactic would work with those delays and whatnot. So, um, I, and that's going to make it really interesting on weapon systems. I'm, you know, depending on how far away can you shoot at somebody, if they see it coming, like if it's coming at light speed, the first indication they're going to have that it's coming is because it hit them. If it's slower than light speed, they're going to see it coming and they can get out of the way unless it's a guiding munition. So if you, if you fire bullets, people are just going to step out of the way of it unless they're close enough that they don't have time. So I guess that would put your range limit where otherwise, you know, I fire something in space, it just keeps going. Right. But so it's, it's not like uh, in an atmosphere where it's going to lose power. Right? right. And then eventually fall. Um, but if I see it coming and it's far enough away, I just step out of the way. Um, so I, I don't know, is that going to dictate ranges or, or what's, what's really ranges for you? like burn time of rockets and stuff? Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, for me right now, uh, range is strictly based on, I mean, if we're not talking about combat, range is strictly based on life support and okay. and how how long you can generate power. No, I mean in a, in a combat way. Like if yeah, I'm going to shoot at you, and, like what's what's my engagement range? Because yeah, I can and, see and, you and that's what we're going to be exploring once, you know, the combat starts to come online. Um, I, I, I have, as you said, I do have expectations. I, I would think anywhere from, you know, if we're talking high powered laser systems, anywhere between, you know, earth and moon range might be valid, uh, but who knows? Um, yeah. if the beam diverges too much, um, you know, it might not be effective at all. Right. And if you're shooting missiles at that range, it's like, well, we'll know tomorrow if we hit him. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that would certainly, you, you'd have to count for, uh, is my target going to be on the other side of the body? It's orbiting. And it might, is my missile even going to hit? Um, yeah. You know, obviously it has to be guided because if it's not guided, all I got to do is thrust for about half a second. I'm, and I'm out of, out of the way. So, right. yeah. So it, I guess it, it comes down to like, what's, what do you hope is the feel of it? Do you want something that's going to be like an up close personal kind of combat where the, you're, you're using the joystick and you have to put the gun sight on the guy and squeeze the trigger? Or is it a thing where computers are going to handle all the aiming? You just designate a target and hit the button and they figure out what your lead angle is. My, my expectation so far is that combat, most combat is going to occur in orbit with your target um, which means you're going to have to be 
you know, be able to visibly, visibly see it um, unless you have something guided that you can arc around, you know, the, the body uh, that can guide to the target. Okay. Um, and you have the orbital, orbital mechanics to think about. So, you know, that's got to be taken into consideration when you figure out tar- targeting solutions. So, so that's that's almost like a naval solution then because it's like right. if you're going to shoot guns, you got to consider curve of the earth. And right. if you're going to shoot missiles, you can shoot over the horizon. Right. Um, so that's why I say I, I really sort of expect combat to be a, a submarine-like affair. It, it's going to be slower paced. It's going to be much more calculated. I think it's going to be reasonably close, but I don't think it's going to be up in your face. Um, however, I have shown that you can actually do that. Um, in in the old prototype version, there was a test um, a, a test mission where there was an AI and he had a railgun type system, and he you know you were able to circle fight with him, um, and it worked. It worked well. Um, the, the thing is, are you ever going to get into that position to begin with to use it? Yeah. So um, one final thing from me, and then I'll let these guys have you. Um, as far as perhaps an assistant AI on board that, that could kind of like be like Siri, right, and then will guide you through things, like it, it's, it's almost like, oh, well, walk me through the startup procedure. I forgot that. And, yeah. and then it could talk you through it. Or yeah, if, a, if, a, if a system needs rebooted, it could be, all right, here's the process. Do this, do this. Yeah, I, I call it the S, SOI, the Ship's Onboard Intelligence. Um, or, uh, and I, I don't use artificial intelligence because that sounds too much like SAI, and, and that's for something else. But, uh, yes, the, the goal is that the, uh, the ship's computer will be sort of your co-pilot. Um, it, it'll be able to handle startups for you if you want. Um, it'll be able to handle low-level um, uh, functions for you if you don't want to do that, uh, as long as it's not damaged and and on. Uh, if it's damaged or destroyed, then you're on your own uh, because it's just another system like anything else is. Uh, the oh, the thing is, um, it, it's really hard to implement that sort of thing uh, on something like this until all the systems are finalized. Otherwise, if I change a system, then I got to go back and change the way the ship's computer interacts with it. Oh yeah, absolutely. So that's why it's not in yet. Is the ship's computer going to have a bit of sass to it, like talk I, back at you, that sort of thing? I, I would like, if if I had my way, um, I would like to do. No, voice- you unlock the door. <laughs> I would like to do voiceover. Uh, and I would like like you to be able to choose at least either a male or female voice. Uh, and if I really had my way and I had the money to put, put towards it, I would like to introduce personality into those voiceovers. Yes. Uh, and you I'm can sorry, it. Dave. I can't do that. Yeah, uh, I, was, I was actually just looking up Douglas Rain to see if he's still with us. Is he? Uh, I'm still looking. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's, he's still alive. So there's there's hope. Oh, that's awesome. That'd be amazing. I'm sorry. I can't do that, you son of a bitch. That would kill me. Um, Cute cat, yeah, by the way. As, as, it sta- thank you. as it stands right now, um, you know, uh, funds are limited and it's just me. So it's right now it's going to be text only. <laughs> no, oh, that's, wait, here's, that's totally Here's fun. an idea. See, Uh-oh. you can't afford Christopher Walken but you can afford somebody that can sound like Christopher Walken. <laughs> hey! That's good enough. Flip that switch, you son of a bitch! 
sorry. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Whoa. Uh... Yes, go through that door. You know, I never liked cucumbers. But anyway, you're going to take a left at the next corridor. Cucumbers are crazy. Yeah, speaking of cucumbers, have you exposed oh, no. that cat to a cucumber yet to see what goes on? Because I see these videos all over the internet, what? and they put a cucumber, and the cat turns and sees it and, like, freaks out, like, about, you know, what? does a backflip. I don't know yeah, why. Apparently cats are afraid of cucumbers. Apparently. We don't, I don't understand. It's a, it's a myth thing that we need to, we need to confirm or bust. I I'm so confused right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to. Te- we'll send you the cucumber cat videos. There's like a a huge montage of like a thousand cats that are that are freaking out. What? Uh, uh, someone well, no, some we're, we're testing it now. My wife brought a cucumber. Oh, so someone said cat, someone cat on Twitch, uh, Jack uh, Jack, on Twitch said that because it's similar it's similar to a snake. Might be. I guess that if you have it in your hand and you hold it up to the cat's face, it's not as spooky. That might explain the behavior here, because the cat's just sniffing it like, wow, what is this? That's a big cat, by the way, Mike. That's a big cat. Uh, she's the smallest one. I, I have three of them. And, uh, uh, the, the one we call Job of the Cat, she's enormous. Uh, so you're, you're doing this full time, so you get to work, with ho- work at home with those cats, I'm guessing, right? Uh, yes, um, I, I put in, if I don't put in 12 to 16 hours a day, I don't work, but I, I do get to work at home. So that, that makes it bearable. Now, do you take them as tax deductions? <laughs> Dependence. Yeah. <laughs> I, I work for social security. I could probably get them social security numbers. Yeah, you know what? As much money as you put into a, a dog or a cat to, to feed them, to take care of them the, the way, I mean, because if you don't take care of them, right then it's animal abuse. And Agreed. so it, it's, it's just like child abuse. You don't take care of a child, right? You know, it's abuse. As much money as you put toward animals, um, you should be able to deduct them, damn it. Yeah, I, I agree. They're, they're, they, are, they are like the definite, the, the, de- they're a dependent. They are totally a dependent. Yes, yeah, and I have a $2,000 vet bill from today to show you. <laughs> I, I tell you what, if you made dogs and cats deductible right and you could actually prove all the expenses blah 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 you would have a lot less homeless pets people would take so much better care of them too and you'd have i a love lot more it crazy i love it we're changing the world here on the space game junkie podcast <laughs> you, if you went in you'd go into like an investment bank and they would just have cats <laughs> they would just be like we pay no taxes oh no i thought you were gonna have them invest in cats like you want to well, put two hundred dollars on this this tabby yeah. here yeah you'd have you'd have uh uh, Jim, what's his name from Mad Money? Jim Cramer. He'd be like, take all your money out of tabbies. Put them in Calico. Calico's hot. <laughs> so, so Mike, the campaign. Because that's one of the things I'm most excited about. Because there aren't enough dynamic campaigns in space games. There's what, two? Two. Yes, two. And that's it. Uh, so Two in what? What games? Uh, Star Shatter. Star Shatter. Right. And... And and what was that, Mike? No, I'm I'm agreeing. Star Shadow was one. XCOM Interceptor. I never played Interceptor. Don't. <laughs> just 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 don't. Just don't. Just don't go near that. We only know by rumor. It's it it's bad. It's it's it could have been amazing, and it's like what happened. And I bought the strategy guide for that game, 
so I could read the notes in the back about its development. And they seemed so excited. Oh, someone has a question I forgot to ask earlier that they asked earlier. I'm sorry about that, Bribe. How does time acceleration or time skip or the um, the, the frozen uh, thing work in multiplayer? Or do you even have that planned yet? Uh, in multiplayer, here's the thing. Obviously, everyone has to say time synced. You know, everyone has to stay synced up. So you can't do time skip. So you have two choices in multiplayer. You either do strictly multi-crew, where you have to, if you're going to do like a jump from one system to another, everyone has to get into a suspended animation tank at the same time to make the jump um, event horizon, if you will. Uh, they did that. Everyone got into the, you know, the sleep tanks or whatever they were. Um, so you would do it that way, and then you could still use time acceleration because it's local to everybody. They're all on the same ship. Now, if you do multiplayer with multi-ships, where everyone can do their own thing, then that is not possible. And then you have to introduce, you know, hand-wavium instant. <laughs> yeah, it's like the uh, mission has no to begin when they're in proximity. Oh, hand-wavium. That's, that's, why, that's why I say multi-crew co-op is an absolute must. That is what I absolutely want for multiplayer. And if I do multi-ship um, multiplayer, which I would I would like to have, um, then yes, we have to do, introduce a, a little trickery here and there to get around that. There, there's you just know, no other way. It, it would be I, I'm imagining multiplayer with all the stuff going on and the in-flight repairs and and whatnot. And I'm thinking that this is going to be the most complicated game of Guns of Icarus that the world has ever seen. I don't know if you've ever played Guns of Icarus. Oh, Hunter and I, I have. About that. Yeah, I have not. Okay, and they they have a new game that's coming out that I, that they had at E3. It's a, it's pirate ships, right? But it's also the same thing. So, like if you if you're sailing and it's and it's like oh you know hoist up the the mainsail. Well, somebody has to run over there and do it. And if two people do it, it happens twice as fast. That kind of deal, or load the cannons and and whatnot. So you have you have crew that's running around doing the jobs on the ship while the captain's turning the wheel and steering. Uh, Guns of Icarus, which is a blast. We need to do that like some multiplayer night. Um, but Guns of Icarus is what a four man crew, five man crew, and you have uh, a captain. Four. Okay, so you have a captain and you got three other guys running around the ship. And as stuff gets broken. They pull out a wrench and run up and bang on it until the the health bar comes back up, and then you know your engines start working again or whatever. Um, and then as far as manning the guns, they, they have to stand there and shoot the guns too. So you have to make a choice: do I stand here and shoot the gun, or do I run over there and put that fire out? And, yeah, it's a very it's a very interesting and complex game to the extent of if you're not playing with people that you can actually communicate with, it it is a horrible experience. Oh, it's infuriating. Which is why I'm kind of curious about um, the multiplayer of Rogue System because if like maybe ship intercoms go down, that could be very frustrating. Oh, that that's actually kind of amazing. So if you had built-in voice comms oh. and then you can lose it, hmm. But of course, people are just going to play on Teamspeak then. But oh no no no, you're ruining my immersion, Jim. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, if that was if that was native to the game, I would totally use the in-game voice comms oh, hell yeah. to do that. Absolutely! Oh my god, 
Screw, screw mumble. I would, I would totally, it's not like Elite Dangerous, which voice comms are like, why is this on? Turn it off. God damn it. No, I would totally use that. Yeah, it's like you fire up the main drives and, and then Hunter's like, hey, did Brian ever come in from that EBA? Uh, <laughs> guys, I, think, I think he was behind guys, the engine. Guys. He's like pulled by a tether. Oh like god, that'd be the worst. That would totally. Seen an alien where she blows it out the engine of the of the shuttle. Um, EVAs will be coming online soon as well. <gasps> Again, Ooh. the holdup, the holdup is the art because I have to model the suit. Um, I have to model the airlock section of the ship. Um, but otherwise, um, yeah, e- EVAs will work just fine. Have you have you modeled the bathroom yet? Remember we had this discussion about a year ago <laughs> about the sink and the toilet. Yeah, functional bathrooms. I don't know. That's a stretch goal, right? Or just a stretch? <laughs> we'll just yeah, say it's then, a hell then, of a stretch. Then, then you'll have to you know use it for recycling purposes. You know that and Mr. Fusion. That's, that's why I've been saying on the forums. Um, if I could hire just one full time experienced artist. Uh, that would take so much of my workload away. I mean, it's like 50% of my workload, just one artist. So what uh, about somebody that wanted to volunteer and just do it for free? Do okay. You, do you trust that? Because um, if you're paying I, them, they're more stable, right? Uh, okay. Here, I, th- let me start with this. I appreciate all the volunteer offers that I have gotten. I really do. And... I will tell you that in 99.9% of the times, what happens is, um, yes, I want to volunteer. Yes. Okay. Let me spend time. Let me tell you how things work. Uh, This is what I need. Uh, Since I'm not paying you, you work at your own pace. And within two weeks, they're gone because of real life, because it's more work than they expected um, or whatever. Uh, So you can't count on it. You absolutely cannot count on it. Um, right. And that's that's why like open source projects like Pioneer just drag for years trying yes. to get updates out. Right. So, um, yes, the goal is to be able to, to hire an experienced artist. And if you can support them and you support, you know, an artist or a programmer or whomever by paying them so they can pay their bills so they can live so they can focus on what they're doing. If you can support them, then they can support you. And that's right, just you get, because you've got their undivided attention for exactly. at least eight hours a day. Exactly. Do you foresee that happening? Like, I don't. I'm not going to ask outright about sales, but do you, do you see the do you see that happening as the early access goes on? Maybe. Um, if I were to look at at sales right this minute, no, that's that's not going to happen. Um, it's my ability to work on it is not in jeopardy. My ability to hire other people to help me work on it, yes. Um, now, uh, what I hope is that as we go along and more gameplay and more gameplay gets added in and it starts to get more and more fleshed out, it'll gain traction and, I don't know, we'll see at that point. Uh, I have two development paths. I have... Um, I call it like a streamlined core module and where if I have to work by myself, I move certain things out until after release, such as character animations, such as story elements, uh, cut scenes, all that gets shoved aside. It's not gameplay. So we wait. And then that lets me focus on gameplay, gameplay aspects and the assets that are needed 
for those, and then I can do that. And then we catch up on all the cool stuff afterwards. If I can hire, then we can start to pull some of that back in. Well, that's that. That would be awesome. But yeah, focus on what you need to focus on. Right, right. It's um, gameplay has to come first. Um, I, I don't. I, obviously, I want it to look nice. Um, but you know, if how many games have you seen that look great but are shitty to play, and you you focus on them, you you play through them for maybe three hours, and then you're done. Yeah. Speaking of Star Citizen. Um, are you gonna sell? Uh, are you gonna be selling JPEG ships and uh, no? Damn it! Damn it! So we can't pre-purchase ships and okay. Damn it! You know, I just hate it when developers go to E3 and then they have nothing to show. Like that's just the worst. Or they don't go at all. They didn't. Or they don't. No, but the the best part was on their stream where they were talking about E3 and all the cool space games that were there and then they weren't there and wait they did wait they did that oh yeah they 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 did that we will send you the link of this live stream that they did and just how arrogant it just was the whole thing just uh the worst i do not want to join in on the star citizen bash i'm trying not to either but it's it's not getting it's not easy it's not easy however I did hear them call Call of Duty. What, what's it called? Infinite Space. Call of Duty Infinite In, Space. Infinite Warfare. Infinite Warfare. Yes. Thank you. Sorry. Um, uh, what? What is it? The uh, how they put it? It was something of Wing Commander. Yeah, he's like if if development the, the of Wing Commander games Commander. yeah had been uninterrupted, this is where we'd be with you know. And he's like, what? just think of how it would be. You know, because we got this now, and boy, if if Wing Commander had kept being a thing, you know, where would we be? And <laughs> it was just yes, like I'm, I'm watching that stream, and it's just like, hey guys. <laughs> and the the reason I bring it up is, but isn't that what you are trying to make? Is yeah the, the next progression of Wing Commander? I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't want to go into a whole Star Citizen bash thing. Uh, I try to stay out of it. I, I do too, but it's difficult. It's difficult <laughs> when they... It becomes more difficult by the day. It becomes more difficult when they, in 2012, when they launched their Kickstarter and everything, they said they'd launch a game in 2014. That's how it gets more difficult. I, You know what? I, yes, that... They shouldn't have even given a date. They shouldn't have even bothered. Okay. Well, they, in they my opinion. They creep themselves into oblivion with... Um, with the, uh, oh, not Oblivion. That's the goal. worst Elder Scrolls game. Come on. I know, right? But they feature creeped it during the Kickstarter so hard because they kept coming up with new stretch goals. And they, did, they didn't take the time to consult anybody to find out if the engine would ever actually be able to support those things. So now oh, they're no. No, 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 no. They did consult somebody. And what did they tell them? Uh, I can't name names on that one. But yes, a close personal friend told him no. Okay. So, anyway, moving uh, on. Anyway, rogue system. Anyway. Yes, yes, and, rogue and system. This is, this is really like my my only problem with the whole thing is, and I've said this before. I said this on on my Twitter feed. If I had one eighth of the money Star Citizen does, so I could hire just two people or three people, you know, I I I would be set. Rogue system would be set. I don't need a hundred and fifteen million dollars. To make a game, 
But then how will people buy virtual pants? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so here's what would happen. If you gave so, me $100 million, I would go to Rockstar, and I would say, I want to license the GTA Five engine. I'm going to put spaceships in it and planets and cities on the planets. All right, we're done here. And, you know, just hire some people to flesh that out for me. You know, let me tell you something about that GTA Five engine. I I recently went and did one of their, like, scuba diving missions, and the extent of how big their like their world that they've made is like you can go really deep underwater or you can like go really high up in the air and the extent of the map and just like what you can do and i thought to myself huh this is uh this is pretty in depth what they've what they've given people the ability to do so you, well, yeah, you, you can you can climb in and out of vehicles you can fly planes you can drive a submarine you, you, you can do all kind of crap you can tell the folks fights. You could tell the folks at Rockstar really love Los Angeles because between Grand Theft Auto Five and Midnight Club Los Angeles, they're both serious love letters to this city. They really love this place. Somebody's got to, I guess. Hello. Hi. I love it. We love it. Anyway. <laughs> Except when it's on fire. We don't love it when it's on fire. It's totally on fire right now. We don't yeah, love can it you, it's on Can fire. you smell the smoke like if you open up the window? Thankfully, I'm not that close to it. That's, that's one of the benefits of L.A. is it's so freaking sprawling that there's a fire like 15 miles north of us but i can't no no it's the smog you still smell the smog it's actually the smog's not that bad it was bad in the 90s but it's not that bad now right okay. i'm very defensive of my my new my my adopted hometown very defensive yep so we gotta get, let mike get back to yeah we've been game. talking for a while so um what is the next let, let's wrap this up what would you say is the next big thing Thing you're working for 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 first, a rogue system. first person module. No, no, no. For, for 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 the early access thing. What is the next big thing you plan to implement as the early access goes on? Actually, um, let, let me pull up. Hold on. Uh, I probably got a Trello or something going on here. I will read you a list. <gasps> I love lists. And that the, list is actually in Steam dis- discussions, upcoming features yeah. pinned. Um, I want to get. Um, on the VMS, your your main display, uh, I want to get a traje- trajectory tunnel put in so you can see, you can visually see your your changes, your your acceleration changes, and see where you're going to go, uh, which includes um, uh, velocity lines or or some form of velocity display so you can see how fast you're moving, quote unquote. Um, I'd like to show off. The attachment system to where you can put, you know, parts on ships, uh, and this will come in. This will actually come in later. Uh, it'll be more of more use later in the Maverick module when you can own your own ship and upgrade it. There's attachment points, and you can add things to it. Um, but uh, you'll be able to add on. So I want to I want to put solar panels onto the Flying Fox using the attachment system, and I want to strap a couple of the uh, the uh, pr- the test rail guns that I built. Uh, onto it using the attachment system just so you can see that you know you can plug things into it um, because that's not in the current steam version right now um, I'm introducing a planetary uh, uh, an orbital orbital positioning system OPS uh, and when you're logged into it it'll show you uh, the position uh, of any other ship in orbit around the planet that you're logged into uh, and it's it's a satellite system. So as you're approaching a planet or a moon, 
you'll be able to see everything that's orbiting around it uh, and get updates on its, you know, apoapsis, its periapsis, uh, its velocity, and all that sort of thing. Uh, I want to add the airlock art so you can do EVAs, uh, which, uh, again, I have to do the, the uh, art for the airlock, the art for the suit, uh, and then you'll have EVAs. I want to model the equipment bay and uh, component uh, parts so we can start doing repairs uh, and give you give uh, you a reason to use the first person mode. Um, and let's see. And then pilot reactions will be reintroduced. Uh, and they're, what, they're what you saw in the prototype for Kickstarter. Um, uh, breathing is in right now. Uh, the pilot inhales and exhales, and that affects your atmosphere. And you know, carbon dioxide has to be scrubbed. Oh, are you going to have choking noises like they, like Elite does if if your uh, if your life support starts going? Uh, yeah, that was that actually the worst. That, that was actually in uh, in my prototype too. Um, yes, uh, you had uh, ox oxygen depri uh, deprivation and uh, <laughs> I love it. Uh, carbon dioxide poisoning and that sort of thing. Uh, if the pilot gets too cold, you'll see breath, um, gets too hot. Um, his breathing will be labored. Uh, he'll react to G force. And finally in the upcoming features is to be able to use the remote manipulator arm that's on the front. You can work with it right now, uh, but it can't grab anything yet. So we're going to be adding that and then you'll be able to, uh, like grab a, a satellite and hang on to it and make repairs to it or whatever. That's goddamn amazing. And I, I expect I expect all that within the next uh I hate to give a date, but I'm gonna say within the next four months I should have the bulk of that in there. And then we start working on the assets for combat. Uh actually the, the dy dynamic uh mission structure is in, uh the generator that controls that. And obviously the scripted mission portion of that is working right now because you can play the tutorial missions and such. Um so once the art assets for all the, uh, you know, the, your, your enemy ships and your, you know, anyone else in your squadron and, you know, civilian traffic, once all that's in, then we can start building up campaign missions. So let me ask you, cause someone in uh, YouTube just said, I wish I could afford this. Is that $10 option still available or is that gone now? That, um, that is gone. Um, yeah, the the early access that was strictly through ISI. Uh, okay. all, there, all there is right now is what's on Steam. I I did get confirmation from in, Image Space that uh, Rogue System is going to be part of the Steam Summer Sale. Oh, I was that was my next question. Yeah, that is strictly up to Image Space, uh, and they said it is going to be part of it. I do not know how much off it's going to be. Uh, you'll just have to check, you know, when the sale starts, and I, I can't. I'm not allowed to say when the sale starts. Thursday. It starts Thursday. We all know. It leaks. We all know. Thursday. We all know. It's yeah, Thursday. Okay. So it starts Thursday. It was one of Gaben's little helpers that let that slip. I mean, we never know what's going to be on sale or for how much, but we always seem to find out when it's going to start. Yeah, I'm sure it's an accident that the date leaks. Yeah. It's like the worst kept secret. It's the worst I, kept secret. I, I know, but, you know, it specifically says... But yeah, you have to you have to abide by whatever you have to abide by. But as fans, we're like, yeah, we know, we know it starts. So yes, when the sale starts, check back, and uh, I, I'm hoping it'll be like seventeen, twenty percent. But again, I don't know for sure. That would make it a lot easier for people to bite because 
thirty bucks. I, I mean, to me, thirty bucks is worth it. But that is a bit above. Um, I think a lot of people's impulse range for early access. Absolutely. Um, but then again, um, the ISI's take on it. And again, this is strictly through, you know, through them. Um, and it's their decision, but image spaces take on it is it's not, you know, it's not, I am bred. It's, it's a freaking simulation. They are a lot harder to build. Um, you know, they require a lot more resources. Oh, so, you're preaching to the choir here. I totally yeah. like, you know, I paid 60 bucks for it and I feel it's worth every penny. But what is it? Um, uh, Planet Coaster? That's 80, that's, right? Isn't that 80? Yeah. That's the, yeah, that's the elite. That's the, their alpha. that's the frontier. Planet. Yeah. Frontiers, uh, roller coaster sim is, uh, like Planet 80 bucks. Coaster. Yeah. Planet Coaster. Yeah. My God. You know, in, in, uh, goat simulator space was like I keep what, forgetting to play that. I keep forgetting to play it, that. I it, own it. It I has a complete feature set of everything that Star Citizen <laughs> promised for $5.99. Oh, Jesus. But yeah, so that's great to hear that you got a lot planned. It's going to be in the Steam Summer Sale, which starts in two days as we record this. Probably when this drops, it'll either be that day or the next. But uh, yeah, I think I'm I'm out of questions. What about you guys? No, I'm I'm excited, man. What you got coming? It's uh, it's pretty cool stuff. So, hey, I just uh, real quick, I just like looked over at my news feed on 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 Facebook. Yeah. And um, Brian Cranston is confirmed to be Zordon for the new Power Rangers film coming out. Who's what? who? The what? Oh, Brian I never I never watched Pro- I never not I never watched Power Rangers. It was a bit after my time. No, I, under, I, I I get that. I'm just saying it's it's crazy that they're getting him. The to, man, to, the man is a working actor. You know, I mean, let him. He can do whatever like he wants. They're gonna kill him five minutes into the movie. Yeah, I mean, they pay him by the minute, right? He has, he he has house payments like anybody else. You know, <laughs> why not? Uh, oh, one last question: Is a flight stick needed for this? I don't think so, right, Mike? You can play this with the mouse and keyboard if you really wanted to. If yes, uh, a lot of people actually do play with a mouse and keyboard. Uh, it's uh, especially for docking. They seem to get a. I, I, I enjoy my X fifty two, and when I get it hooked up and going, my my Warthog. But um, yeah, a lot of people find keyboard control a lot more precise when doing like docking and that sort of thing, uh, and prefer it. So I gotta say, I appreciate because not all Sims support multiple devices, but I got I got four devices here that I use for my HOTUS and I'm really glad you do. That's really nice. It's, it's not hard to, um, I, I don't know why more people don't, but it's not hard. There are special cases like, you know, for instance, uh, the Thrustmaster Warthog, the, the toggle switches, you, there are some special cases to account for, but the average, you know, controller, it, it's not special case at all. And it's not hard to support more than one. I don't know why they don't. Yeah, the only sim, the only space sims I know that do are yours, uh, Evacron, and Elite, and that's it. Right. But it's it's really nice that I don't have to just use my my stick. So that's very nice. So yeah, guys, the game Rogue System it's on Steam, thirty bucks, but it might be in the Steam Summer Sale for we don't know how much, how much less. No, but it you, will it will be in the Steam Summer Sale. Yeah, but we don't we don't know the discount. So folks, keep an eye on it. This is. 
really great stuff. If you've like, if you tried to fly the A-10 in DCS and go, I wish things could go to space. This is your game. If you played Falcon 4.0 and go, went, I wish this was in space. This is your game. If you're playing Star Shatter and go, I wish someone would make a new version of this. This is your game. Damn it. Mike, it has been a pleasure having you back on for the third time. Serious pleasure. We should just have you back every 50 shows or so (laughs) (laughs) to check in. Oh, it's always fun. And, uh, intermittent co-host. Well, oh, the thing is, when we first talked to you, you were running a Kickstarter for this, and that sadly didn't work out. But you got picked up by ISI, which is like a – it's kind of a Cinderella story, really. At yeah, least. It's, probably, it's probably for the best that the Kickstarter didn't work out because you get flooded with money and then, you know. So the the having to work for it made him honest, right? Kept him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, folks, the game is Rogue System. It is on Steam. Uh, regular price is twenty nine 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 American, but again, it's going to be on the Steam sale. Um, so just a couple of things real quick before we wrap up. Next week on the show, you might remember a while back, we talked about this game called Imperia. Or Imperia. Uh, it's meant to be like Crusader Kings in Space, much more personality-focused. Uh, that was like a 100 shows ago. <laughs> well, we're bringing them back to talk about that. So that's exciting because that game looks awesome. It's gone through... S- Significant changes since we last played it. And on Thursday night, we're taking a break from the viewer polls. We're going to take a break from space games, actually. And we're going to get together and play some Elder Scrolls Online. We're going to visit Ancient Tamriel. Because Elder Scrolls Online takes place before any of the other Elder Scrolls games, if I remember correctly. So that'll be fun. And, uh, Mike, where can people find you online real quick before we wrap up? Uh, let's see. Uh, on uh, Twitter... Uh, what what am I at Rogue System? Yes, and uh, <laughs> Rogue System on Facebook. Uh, you just type, do a search for it, it'll pop right up. Um, and on YouTube, um, I believe I'm Michael Giuliano, if I remember correctly. Okay, awesome. Uh, well, thank you, folks, for listening and for watching. Again, the audio file, I'm sorry about that. I forgot to hit the record button, so I have to rip, rip it straight from YouTube, so it might not sound awesome, but I apologize for that. But um, I want to thank everyone for watching and listening, and we'll uh, see you next week. Have a good night. Let's have some music in here, Boiler. Do a thing. Yeah, you're